Let's look at Hebrews 12, verse 1 this morning. Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In verse 1 it says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those are the people that have already gone on to be with the Lord. And we're surrounded by them. In other words, there's a grandstand in heaven cheering us on. See, they're done with their race. And, you know, we get the sense, we don't know, there's so much we don't know about heaven. God gives us a glimpse. But, you know, people have had experiences, Brother Hagin relates experiences he's had, and you get the sense that the people in heaven, they don't, they don't know everything about our natural, everyday life, but they know what's happening spiritually. They know when you make a decision for Him, and know when you're doing, uh, making decisions for the plan of God and for the good of God. Heaven knows. Well, you know that's scriptural. It says, when one that comes to the Lord, the angels in heaven, they rejoice. Well, you know things are known. Spiritual things are known. And so this cloud of witnesses, people, they've already run their race. But we're here, we're running our race. This is the time we have on the earth. It says, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance. It said, let us lay aside every weight. In the Amplified, Amplified uh, Classic, it says, Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patience, patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. In verse 1, it says, Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance. Unnecessary weight. Let's throw aside every encumbrance or unnecessary weight. In the New Living Translation, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. It says to strip off every weight that would hold you back to run your race. You know, you get the picture, you can, you can have the picture of somebody that's running a race in the natural. Think of those guys that, that are, are sprinters. Now, I never, well, I did run track. Maybe I just ran, yeah, I ran a little bit of track in, in junior high and high school, but I wasn't, you know, somebody that ran a lot of races. But I had friends that did, and I've seen them in the Olympics. And you know what I'm talking about. 
the guys that are running the 100-meter dash. Anybody. I mean, you have to, I don't care if they're running, you know, one of the longer races. Do they go dressed to the starting block with an overcoat and some boots? Sandals? They wearing a hat? They have stripped every unnecessary thing away. They're wearing light shorts and, you know, they're wearing the lightest shoes. Just, they, they shave off every bit of weight that is unnecessary. And things have gotten lighter over time. You know, we have stronger materials that are lighter now, and they incorporate that technology. Even their clothes are lighter. It, they, don't weigh, they don't wear heavyweight cotton or anything. It is as light as possible. Notice, do they, even their hair, you know, they don't have a ton of hair. You, you talk about swimmers, you know. Have you ever seen, they do one of those um, stories in the Olympics or whatever, they have these pieces they, they, they show be, between the, the, the races. And the, what they do, I mean, they shave every unnecessary hair on their arms and whatever. Everything that would cause drag. Anything. And they don't go into the pool uh, just with their hair flowing. They have something over their head. Why? Anything that would slow them down, they, they strip it. Isn't that right? That's what this is talking about. In our Christian life, our race, we want to strip off everything that would slow us down. And you don't wait. Number one, they don't start with anything extra. But you wouldn't also, it'd be just as foolish to start with something on and then halfway through your, your race start stripping it off then. We, we are running a race here. We have a course to finish here on this earth. You don't want to wait to get rid of the stuff that would slow you down. You don't want to wait halfway through the race, say, well, I can carry this. If somebody said, you know, they're at the starting block and they were carrying something, you know, a 100-meter dash, and you say, well, you know, why do you have that? Well, I'm going I'm to drop it halfway through it, the, you know, 50 meters. I'm, I'm going to get rid of it. Why don't you get rid of it now? No, you know, I, this one, you know, I'll get rid of this at 50 meters, but this next thing, I'm going to drop it at 70. Well, the race is over in less than 10 seconds. Even if it's a long, you know, our life is more like one of those long distance races. What, what good would it do to carry something a fifth of the way through? Or half of the way? Well, I'll get rid of that later. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You say, if you want to win, drop it now. Right? That's what, that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. Get rid of it. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Just, uh, we'll put it up on the screen for the sake of time. I do have a lot here. We want, to get rid, we want to get through what we need to get through today, but I have a lot in my heart to convey. We want to get the right things out. We prayed, right? So we're going to get the right things out. You guys are agreeing with me that we're going to get the right things, touch on the right things. 
Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Look at verse 12. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Paul said here, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're not wrestling against just people. We need to understand there's a spiritual realm behind the natural realm. That spiritual realm was there first. What's beyond the universe we know? Where is heaven? Ever asked yourself, I mean, where is it? It's in the spiritual realm. There is a spiritual realm. Behind everything you see when you walk around, there is a spiritual realm. There's not just natural. People have, you know, it's always like if you talk about the spiritual, see that's something people think it's fantasy. It's not fantasy. It's real. It's more real than this. Because when this is burned up, it will stand. We are spirit, being. We have a soul, our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. But there is spirit. We need to understand as we're running a race, there is a spiritual realm. It's not just natural. There's a lot of natural stuff we need to deal with on this earth. But we need to understand God is going to direct you and guide you by your spirit. And the things that He is going to emphasize in the end, are spiritual. Because the, 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 the reason we're still here on this earth is because all the people that are going to come into the kingdom of God haven't come in yet. That's the only reason we're still here. Once everybody that's going to come in comes in, we'll be out of here as a church. But it's going to be very bad on the earth. And then more people will come in. But the Bible says once the gospel is preached to all nations... All the people that are going to hear it. Not just, hey, we checked off all these, so here we're done. No, the people that need to hear it are going to hear it. But there is a spiritual realm. We need to understand you're dealing with spiritual aspects of life, whether you know it or not. Whether you want to like it or not. We need to understand we are dealing... With the spiritual aspects, God is on our side, but He's not going to do everything for you. There's some things that we need to do, and we need to understand, you have an enemy, I have an enemy, his name is Satan, and there is a dark realm that that the the, uh, demons that serve Satan, that are trying to influence you uh, to not follow God's plan. You're running your race, but it's not in a vacuum. It says, We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. There is so much more going on. We don't have to fear any of it. 
We need to know we have God on our side, so we don't need to be afraid of it, but we do need to be aware of it. And we do need to know what's going on when, when certain things are happening and it looks like it's just natural. It's not all natural. There is a spiritual force behind it. If we don't know that, if we don't deal with it, we're not going to be walking in the fullness that we ought. We're going to think, why did this happen? Why did this happen? And I'm not saying, we don't have to worry about things coming against us. We just have to understand sometimes what's going on. And we need to take authority and go forward with the the power and the help of God. Therefore, stand, uh, take up the whole armor of God, verse 13, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Notice what it's saying here. It's saying you stand. It said we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but, we, but there is a spiritual realm that we're wrestling against. Now he starts to say, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, and the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication with all the saints." And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make the mystery, make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, chains that I may speak boldly as ought to speak. So he goes through and, and talks about these different parts. Verse 14, stand therefore. He's saying, you're, in, you're, you're dealing with things that are beyond the natural. He said, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. And then he starts to say what these things are. There's a purpose today is not to go in depth on these things. But it says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So he's saying these are the things you're going to need to stand. Now we just, we just said there were things you need to strip off. Those aren't these things. And even though we're using the analogy in, the, in life of a runner going and stripping off the stuff he doesn't need, he still needs his cleats. He still needs to have some clothing on. He needs to have certain things because he's in a race. If you go to swimming, they need other things. If you go to, you know, hockey, they have all kinds of gear on, but they don't have anything they don't need. It's what is in your plan. What has God, I'm getting ahead of myself, but what has God called you to do? That's going to determine what you need. But there's certain things none of us need that are going to hinder us. These things we need. We need to get the things on that we need because we're not only in a race, we're in a war. 
He said, we're in a, we, are, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. If you don't think we're in a spiritual war, this is a wake-up call. We need to understand. See, if you're in the middle of a war on a battlefield, it doesn't matter if you think you're in a war or not, you're there and people are going to take you down. Is that not right? Well, I didn't know there was a war. Too bad. But I don't want to be in it. Too bad. Satan is waging war. He hates God. Not a little bit. He hates you. Not a little bit. A lot. He is the most sinister, evil being. Anything you've ever seen that's evil it has its roots in him. And he is much more evil than anything you've ever seen. Anything you've seen that's wicked, you say, how could anybody? He's multiple times worse than that. He's the inspiration for that. But he is defeated. He is powerless. He does not have any control over the Christian whatsoever. But if you don't understand that you're in a war, and you don't understand that there's an enemy, even if he's a stripped enemy, even if he has no authority, he'll try to push in where he has no authority to see if you'll give it to him. He's a con. Isn't that what cons do? Try to take something, try to get you to give you some, get you to give them something that they don't, you don't have to give it to them. In other words, if they demanded something of you, they do that all the time, right? People make phone calls trying to get people to give their credit card information or give their bank account information. You don't have, you're not in any obligation to give them anything. But if they can get you to give your authority over them by giving you something, now they have a foothold in your life. That's the way Satan operates. And he's playing for keeps. See, people don't understand. This is going on behind everything else that's going on the earth. There is a spiritual element and a war being waged for people's, we could say souls, but really their spirits, for them. And we need to understand that we need to be ready. This is not a rehearsal. Did you hear me? Your life, my life, it's not a rehearsal. In other words, you don't get to do it over. This is not, well, let's, let's do it through once. Now we got it down. Now can I start over And now that I know the, the rules and everything? Sometimes you wish that could be, right? Don't have to ask you to raise your hand. You know, you, you probably wish you could go. I mean, you don't want to go back, but if you had to live your, your life in certain areas, even maybe six months ago, you wish... If we're constantly growing and doing things, maybe you wish you would have had experience that you have now. It just doesn't work that way. That's why we need to be led by the Spirit of God. Because He knows the future. And, he'll, and if we follow His Word and His Spirit, we'll, keep, we'll be kept from making mistakes we don't have to make. But we need to understand that we need to be ready. That we are in a spiritual battle. We need to get rid of anything we don't need. And we need to form everything that we have, purpose it to do what God has called us to do. Joel 3, 9 uh, and 10 says, Proclaim this among the nations. Now this is actually people that uh, Israel would be going against, but I, I'll show you the principle. It says, Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. 
Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. When you're in war, you don't need a hoe. You need weapons. We just got done reading. We're in. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You don't need stuff you don't need. You need to have the things that God would arm you with and that you need for your race. You don't need anything else, but you need the things you need. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. In the, in the Amplified Classic, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the price? So run your race, that you may lay a hold of the prize and make it yours. Now every athlete who goes into training conduct, conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They can do it to win a wreath that will soon wither, or they do it to win a wreath that will soon wither, but we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Verse 26, Therefore I do not run uncertainly, without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. But, I, but, but like a boxer, I, buff, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it, for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and, and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved, and rejected as a counterfeit. Verse 26 says, Therefore I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary. In other words, not shadow boxing, it says in a different translation. Not just playing around. Having definite aim. Doing it on purpose. Verse 27, but like a boxer, I buffet my body. I handle it roughly. I discipline it by hardships and subdue it. He's given the picture here of doing what it takes to win. And win just anything. See, people can apply some of these principles to things, like he said, that perish. They're not worth it. People go after stuff all the time, and it's, it's actually a mirage. They get there, it's not what they thought it would be. But if we follow God's word, and we follow his plan for our life, it will be good. And we were doing, we're doing it for a, a crown that doesn't perish. We're doing it for the Lord. It will be remembered for all time. What we do on this earth matters. And when we are looking at different parts in our life, we need to do it on purpose. And say, do, do I need this? In my life. And it, everybody has a different call. Notice it said, your race. Can you go back to uh, verse 24? It 
It says, do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay a hold of the prize and make it yours. We each have a race. We each have a call. We each have something, a purpose that God has called us to do. And he is developing each and every person step by step, if we'll listen to his word and the promptings of his spirit, to get in the position for what he's ultimately called you for. Notice he said, it's your race, not your neighbor's. It's not somebody else's. It's not somebody on TV. It's not somebody at work. It's your race. What is he telling you to do? What is he telling you to strip off? What is he telling you to focus? You don't look at somebody else and say, well, they're getting rid of that. I should get rid of that. If you're in a hockey, if you look at the, the, the people that are, are, are runners and you're playing hockey and go, well, hey, they're, they, they, all they got is little cleats and little shorts and a shirt. Maybe I should play hockey like that. They're going to get clobbered. They're going to be running around with little spikes. They can't skate. I mean, it's amazing. I'm not, I'm not an ice skater. Those guys, what they can do on skates. It's amazing. Can't do that. But you can't play that game if you can't skate. You don't have to be able to skate to win the, to win the 100 meter run, the, the race, do you? But you know, most of those guys, the, the hockey players are not going to be able to compete. They're not going to be able to sprint like those guys. We can't look at what somebody else is doing. We can't look at what somebody else is called to do. We can't say, well, they're doing that. I better do this. Well, they're putting that down. I better get rid of that. Now, there are things that everybody needs to put down and everybody needs to pick up. Some of these things we talked about, spiritually speaking. We need to know who we are. We need to know the Word. But then there's a bunch of stuff in our life, not necessarily sin. Of course, he says the sins, get rid of them, that, that that's ensnare us. But there's also all kinds of stuff. It's not sin to wear a hat into a race. It's just dumb. It's not sin to wear an overcoat when you're trying to run and beat other guys. You're just, you're not going to run efficiently. You don't want to do it. It's not the most efficient, wisest, quickest, most effective way to do it. What is he telling you to do? What is he telling me to do? We, you, there's no universal, question, no, no universal answer for that question. We need to ask him. But when he identifies something, and thank God he doesn't say, well, actually there's 176 things that I need you to correct. He doesn't dump it on you, thank God, but He will deal with you on what you need to do now, today. Yeah, but I need to do all this. Just, just deal with the thing He's telling you. Get rid of it. If you know, don't mess around. If you know there's something that you need to get rid of, then get rid of it. This is not... Okay, let me just insert something here. We have a spiritual adversary, and here's one of the ways he, he works. We are, we are talking about this right now. The Spirit of God is, is speaking to hearts right now. The enemy, if he can, he'll try to get in there and gum up stuff and, and try to beat you over, a head, over the head with stuff like this and get you to say, I, I know I should do this, I know I should do this, I know I should, and I just give up. That is not the purpose of the Word of God. God does not crush you with what you need to do. We, we talked about communion. Jesus is the way. He is the reason you're even in the race. Satan, if he can't get you out of the race, you get in it, he's going to try to load so much stuff on you that you give up. That's not him. 
We've been talking about on Wednesdays. His vote, you need to go listen to that message, those messages if you haven't. Identifying how, what the enemy tries to get, you know, it's how God speaks to us, but in doing that, you also get clarity in how the enemy tries to, to lead you and what he sounds like. And it's not the way, some people think it's God. It's not. God's not beating you over the head. He's not the one saying, yeah, you have all these things wrong, you sorry excuse for a Christian. Get them fixed. That's not him. I said that's not him. That's not his voice. He's the good shepherd. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He's going to tell you, do this next thing. If you do it, you're going to go to the next step. But don't look 15 steps down the road if he's asking you to do something. If you know to do something and you know what not, to, if you know not to do something, get rid of it. You say, but I can't. Ask for his help. And let me just say that. We're, we're to, everybody needs to walk with the Lord and know from him what to do and not to do. But there are things None of us should do. There's two different things. Like we talked about, you know, there, there's the sin that so easily uh, besets you, and then there's running your race. We're, as Christians, we're called not to just avoid evil. We're called to avoid the appearance of evil. It, whatever it looks, when we're running our race, be sensitive to the Spirit of God. This is not to condemn us. This is, we are in a race. We are in a war. Somebody said it like this. They were, um, going back to what I was just saying about the way the devil works. See, God is for our good. He is on our side. God never, he doesn't, he doesn't beat you up and say, well, you just, you haven't done this and you haven't done this and you better do all this stuff and, and, and slap you around. That's not the way he operates. He will, he will tell you to do something for your own good. Anytime God tells you to do something, it's to lift you up. But you know what? Sometimes people that have a heart to serve him, the enemy knows that. He knows if you're sincere. And you know one of, one of his tactics is? Try to, he'll just try to overload you and slap you down and get you feeling so condemned and beat up. Tell you you need to do this and you need to do that. And look at that person doing that. And you're not holy enough here and you're not doing that to where you, people would be driven away from God that way. And they think it's God, but it's not. It's the enemy acting like God trying to destroy that person. One person gave the example. This guy, you know, he was at a... Uh, this training group, or he actually was in a business, and he had some of the, the people together, and he, some people had kind of slacked off in some areas, and so, you know, he was addressing them as a crowd and going, as a group, and growing over certain parts of, they need to be doing this and that, and going over some things, and he was thinking of a few, some, some individuals that needed to deal, needed to get this fixed. And so he dealt with it very clearly. And he said afterwards, one of the most faithful, good, hard workers comes up to him and goes, I, I know that was for me. I know I haven't done a good job. I know I should be doing better. I'll do better. And the guy was like, this guy is one of the best workers. He's also one of the most conscientious. And now he thinks 
he's doing it wrong, when actually I was dealing with these other people, and they're like, eh, probably somebody else, it's not me. God does not beat you up. So as we're walking, we're covering this, this, these things, you need to understand God will prompt you. He'll show you. He'll, it, if you just listen to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, I'm not talking about an audible voice, but just the promptings of the Spirit of God when you're reading the Word and, and, and as we're going over the Word, He's going to say, yeah, get rid of that. It doesn't necessarily have to be sin. Just something, you don't need that. That's, that's weighing you down. Get, get rid of it. And you may say, think there's 15 things. Do this. He'll just put his finger on something. It may be that you can see different things coming out. It's a list. You know, okay, I'm going to do this and that. But what's the thing? What do you need to do? Do that. But I need to do these other things. Just do the next thing. What's he prompting you to do? What's he doing? He's getting you in the right position. It's your plan. The plan of God for you. It's your race. What's he telling you? Yeah, but so-and-so is doing this. So-and-so is doing that. Maybe I should do it. And very conscientious people was sometimes to look at what everybody else is doing. And I remember Joyce Meyer said this one time. She said, I got to the point when she was talking about early in her, her life where everything that I heard became a law to me. Every, somebody was doing something. They taught on something. So they felt, she felt like, I have to do that too. Great. You're getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Okay, I need to do that. And then you're, you're doing this and this diet plan. Okay, I need to do it. And pretty soon it just got to where it was crushing her because she's trying to do everything God is dealing with. They might be good things, maybe, but if they weren't all for her, everything that anybody said, she felt she had to do and it just was crushing. God, that's not God. But he will deal with you and say, get rid of that one. Stop doing that. Start doing this. You don't have to worry about what anybody else is doing. It's not their race. You're running your race. Amen? Do what God told you to do. And as you're doing this, notice it said, you're doing things on purpose. You're doing it not with uncertainty. You're doing what you're doing for a reason, because you're following Him. I remember, uh, I, I heard Keith Moore, this is a long time ago, many years ago. And it stuck with me, always stuck with me. He said, don't start, don't ask, when God, when? When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? The question you should ask is, if it were to happen now, am I ready? If it were to happen today, am I ready? And if the answer is no, then you know you have stuff to do. You just answered why do I need it? Why do I need that to happen if I'm not ready? But if I'm ready, God's never late. He's never late. He's always right on time. Why does he have to move if he already told you, do this, add this, get rid of this, and you haven't done it, but you're asking him, why haven't you done this? Well, have you done what he asked you to do? He doesn't move out of turn. Do you like it when somebody moves out of turn when you're playing a game? God's a gentleman. He's not going to move out of turn. Sometimes we're saying, God, why don't you do this? And he's already said, just do this. Yeah, but I don't see how this relates. You don't have to see. Just do what he told you to do. Amen? Can we just all agree that God knows more than we do? 
Yeah, but I don't see the connection. What does that have to do with it? There's so many examples of that in Jesus' ministry. He told the guy, you know, there's so many things in the Bible, let alone, I mean, way back in the Old Testament. You know, go told uh, Naaman, the leper. Is it Naaman? Am I saying the right name now? Huh? Yeah. The one that he said, go, go dip. I don't like that. I'm not going to go. If you, then his servant finally talked to some sense. And well, if you would have, if you would have asked you to do something, Graham, wouldn't you have done it well? So he did it. Don't try to figure it out. Do what he told you to do. You'd be ready. We are walking on this earth as ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. We spent a whole series on that last year. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. We are doing the work as if He were here. And we all have part of it to do. But our job is to be an ambassador for Him, to be representatives for Him, that when we show up, it's as if Jesus were there. I'm not saying you're the Christ, but you're part of His body, and we're to do what He would have you to do in any given situation. I'll just read this to you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are all to be doing part of that. Every person, no matter what vocation, what area, we, we ought to do, we, ought, we need to realize that we're part of His plan and part of that commission to walk as representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ here on the earth. Now, what does that look like for you? You have, to, you have to talk to God about it. What is He asking you to do? What does He want you to do? What is the part you're playing? Second Timothy 4, verse 1. It says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. We're to be ready. Not way off there, out there. Well, you know, at some point I'm going to get, I'll get there. I'll... We want to get to the place where we're, we're, we're ready. We walk around ready. Our antenna is up. We're ready. What, what? What is God, what would He have me to do in every situation? Anytime we're talking, is there something you'd like me to say, Lord? Is there something you'd like me to do? Be ready. 
In the Amplified, or I'll say in the New Living Translation, it says, preach the word, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. In the Amplified Classic, it says, herald and preach the word, keep your sense of urgency, stand by, be at hand and ready, whether the opportunity seems to be favorable or unfavorable. You see, it says, keep your sense of urgency. Stand by, be at, re- at hand and ready. That doesn't mean you're nervous. It doesn't mean you're anxious. It just means you're ready. It just means you're aware. It just means you're doing things on purpose. It means you're stripping off what you... It doesn't... It means you're doing what you need to do, and there's no days... Not that we don't relax. Not that we don't take time to rest. That's biblical. But that if you're taking rest and relaxation, you're doing it on purpose. Amen. We ought to do it, and you ought to rest. You ought, you, we need it. God told us, take a day off. So many people don't do that. He said specifically, work six days, take one off. But you're supposed to do it on purpose. You take it because you're, you're, you know you're getting refreshed. You know you're relaxing. Not just doing it to do it. There, are, there shouldn't be days just on end where we're just, say, we're just biding time. There is, we don't have any time to waste on the earth. We don't. It's slipping by. Now, do we, should we be afraid of that? No. We ought not to be afraid. We ought to be aware. We ought to be, just like Paul said, I'm not beating the air. I'm not boxing like I'm just shadow boxing. I am doing it with every punch is on purpose. I'm doing things because I need to. I'm doing things because it's the right thing to do, because it's the right thing for me. It's what God is prompting me to do. I'm not just saying, well, we'll just do this for a while and let the time go by. A sense of urgency. Glory to God. God is the same. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What He did and what He has done in the past, He wants to do now. What He's done for you in the past, He wants to do again. If you've seen him move before, he hasn't changed. He is the same. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Be ready to flow with Him. Stay full of Him. Stay ready to move. Stay ready to act. He is the same that He has been. What you read in the Word of God, what, we, what, what we've seen in the past, what, when we talked about being ambassadors of Christ, what that looks like in the past in the Bible is the same Thing that God wants to do today. He hasn't changed. The world has changed. I mean, people haven't changed. This, we deal with the same stuff people have already dealt with, but we, it just looks different. It just looks different. But God is not different. God is the same. He's faithful. He has good things. He has great things. 
What's he speaking to our hearts? Praise God. Let's just take some time to be quiet before him. You, you know, we're, we're just starting this year. And let me just say this. I mean, as you go forward, it, it, it's a new year. That's, that's great. And we, you do have an expectation about, there's an expectancy when you go into a year. But don't get caught up in a calendar year changing from one day. I mean, it's still just another day. If it works for you to, to change certain things on a year, great. But you know, don't get caught up in it. Just do the changes he's making you, he's asking you to make. It may not fall on a boundary of a year. It may fall in just the middle of a week, in the middle of a month, not anything, you know, but you just stepped and you know you're different. You know you're doing something different. Don't wait for a year boundary. And if you start going in a direction you feel like he's called you to do and you, you, you mess up and you get off, just get right back on. What's the goal? Just to keep coming up with him. Not to see, to, you put pressure on yourself when you try to hold to something that you manufactured. Just, just do the next thing. He'll always bring you up step by step by step and you won't have to backpedal. You won't have to go back. You won't have to backfill. It won't be like, well, I did this and then I just completely fall. You will grow and get strip stuff off and you won't put them back on. You're done with it. It's gone. You're, you're, you're done with it. It might be in the middle of the year. It might be a month. It may not be any special day, but you're free. Praise God. Lord, we just thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy.